hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the fleet captain, still. It's not temporary at all. And joining me for uh, some voyages and some cloaks and stuff, my dear friends, Commander Eric and Lieutenant Commander David. What up, yo? Not much. Sweet. Hey, what's the dealio? I don't know why that was so funny. It was just both your both your like hellos were just what they were. I don't know. It's it's pretty on brand though. It really is. For both. I mean, you. the bit about like pausing for see how long we could go without that's saying over. anything. That's over. So yeah. We need a new bit. We need a new bit. Yeah. Now it's the most awkward intro. Most bland. <laughs> Hi, greeting. Hi. Who's going to outbland who? Oh, I can outbland anybody with the best of them. <laughs> Dad, oh man, man, oh man. Well, guys, it's uh, it's good to to see you see you both again, chat with you both again, uh, as we you know dive into the this week's episode of of that one show that we talk about, uh, but. Um, other than that, like, what's what's going on? I mean, David, you have a wedding coming up for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Don't well, sound too excited. <laughs> how about you, Eric? What's? <laughs> no, we 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 we've been uh, yeah doing nothing but last last minute purchasing and getting things together and all that good sort of stuff. Yeah. We made one. Well, the the first initial costco run you know to get various things so yeah there's there's one more large grocery trip uh wednesday and then all the preparation uh starts thursday so oh boy yep i'm glad i'm not coming in on thursday that's right you're not so you don't have to yeah help. that's why i chose a <laughs> wedding that we didn't have to prep for they did it. They did all the work for us. Yeah, all, show up. all the delicious work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, you're getting married. She's making an honest man out of you. Mm. About time. Mm. <laughs> Maybe. Mm. <laughs> okay. Oh man, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Gonna get you married and all that stuff and shenanigans will happen and that's about it yeah you can join the club we'll is tell there, you all the secret stuff yeah is you know, like I know nothing cool ring oh you don't know anything Look, I jacket or you know, do I get a prize for this club gold star yeah, on your membership a, card the prize is the blonde woman by your side oh wow Eric okay <laughs> wow. fine jeez okay, everyone see if you can find the newlywed go wow <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the prize is the the blonde woman on your arm. Goodness. <laughs> oh man, that that was good. That was good, Eric. We, was we good. I mean, that. I'm just a romantic. <laughs> Can't help it. We needed that perspective. You know what I'm saying? You know. <laughs> oh man. 
well. I know, uh, <clears throat> you know, final countdown uh, to the wedding is uh, it's a mixed bag, but you know, for for what it's worth, try and enjoy as much of it as you can, um, the good and the not so good of it, because in, inevitably there will be a hiccup or four that happens when it comes to weddings. Eric is nodding his head a lot, and I definitely did. I couldn't find my pants on my wedding day. I mean, that was <laughs> that was a fun adventure. Your pants? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> well, I mean, it, honestly, though, like I, I told you beforehand about the whole AC unit that we were trying right. to right. rent and that whole debacle, and it's not happening. But what I didn't tell you, uh, so I told you we, we bought a Jeep, right? Yeah. Real happy with it. Well... What happens? Something goes wrong. Uh, you know, Ashley was out with a friend and, uh, you know, getting dinner, catching up and all that good sort of stuff. I get this text, hey, some of the lights on the dashboard just like went on and off. It's like, great. And then I get a call, it won't start. Uh oh. She finally got it started and drove home and all that, but like now it's in the shop and like, I, I'm not patient with that kind of stuff, especially when you're literally less than a week of owning something. Mm-hmm. I went into that dealership Saturday morning. I was like, I don't know what you're going to do to fix this, but you are going to fix this because one, things don't go bad this quickly without you have first caught something initially, even if it was small. And if you're telling me you didn't, you're full of crap. Personally, I think it's a bad alternator. That's okay. what I think it is. That would explain a lot of the, the stuff, like the codes that it threw and everything. Sure. But man, I was, I was uh, very, very unhappy that day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause we were really happy with the vehicle. But man, I, I, yeah, that, that, uh, whoever I talked to at that dealership, he probably didn't have a good day mm. <laughs> after that. Cause I, I, I was, I was not a happy camper camper. Now they, they do seem to be working with it because it, it was a slightly used vehicle. So, you know, in Ohio, you buy a used vehicle as is. So there's no like lemon law protection or anything like that, unless it's a new vehicle. I mean, there are some things I'm sure you could press, but, but yeah, that was, um, we were literally just trying to get her a reliable vehicle and then this happens <laughs> and then, and then this happens. So yeah, we're, we're waiting and, uh, they didn't call today. So I have to call them tomorrow, which is going to make me even angrier. So, oh, man. so, you know, yeah, that there's sucks, hiccups dude. already, man. And, and she had that, um, her, her previous car for like what, 15 years, 16 years, something like that. Uh, she bought it in like, uh, 2007. Yeah. Brand new, brand new. Uh, what is it? Uh, to, uh Toyota Corolla brand new go. 2007, zero miles drove it. It still work. It still runs still fine. I fixed the AC on it, you know, before the summer hit, but it doesn't have any major issues. It's just, it's like, it's just breaking down. It's old, you know, it's got a lot of miles on it. It's, it sure. hit 200,000 miles on it. So it's got its issues. Yeah. But yeah, it, cars, man. That's why I hate car shopping. <laughs> 
Well, hope it all works out, like for real. I mean, it's no fun. How about you, man? How about you, Commander? <clears throat> yeah, you had to go back to work today. Oh. I know, right? Eight weeks Ooh. off. Wasn't long enough. It never is. <laughs> it never, it it's never is. It's never long enough. <laughs> no, it never is, like for real. I got my classroom mostly set up today, mostly. Okay. Do you have to do like those like bulletin board decoration things at all? Yeah, so there are like bulletin cork boards or whatever, and you can have none of like the corky material showing. You have to put the butcher paper over it and put the little border things on it. So yeah, I did all that today and I set up the like the seats how I wanted it and I got my desk set up and I we got these fancy new like Promethean screens right what the devil is that <clears throat> well they're like they're like touch screen and they have like a little pen like they're like smart boards wow. but you gotta actually like plug your computer into it with HDMI it's not like <clears throat> you know you have to like physically go and do it. It's not like hooked up somewhere. Like at my old okay. school, they were like it was like auto hooked up somehow. Like there, there was the computer in the classroom, and you could just like <clears throat> project to it without plugging anything in. I don't know how it was huh. if it was, but this one you actually have to take your USB and or not your USB, your HDMI and plug it into the front of the screen. Hmm. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Fancy. Fancy. Yeah. Man, oh, man. Well, we are officially in the last week of preschool uh, for our, for the kids. And uh, my daughter doesn't start um, kindergarten until the middle of the month. So um, she's going to have to stay home for like 10 or more days until school starts. But then my son, will, I mean, he starts, you know, the next preschool year or whatever next week, basically. So uh, we're, we're at the beginning of, of this, like, journey now with, like, elementary school. And we have so many dadgum, like, events. Like, we have, like, this, um, you know, meet your classmates play zone thing we have a new parent dinner we have meet the teacher we have first day whatever my good grief i need a friggin decoder ring to know what's going on half the time <laughs> but it's it's great i guess i mean <laughs> i don't know what else to say it's uh, we're we're figuring it out so other than that nothing nothing too exciting so um, enough of the jibber jabber. Do y'all want to go ahead and move right in talking about this stuff? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Okay, everyone. Well, here we go. This is your red alert as we uh, move into this most recent um, episode of uh, Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, Episode 8, Under the Cloak of War. Episode 8, good grief. <laughs> almost over. Yeah, it is almost over. It's almost over. So, um, this, I, I want to, I know we joke around, we have a good time on this show, um, but it occurred to me during our second viewing 
or my second viewing of this episode, uh, that this could be a very triggering episode for some people, um, including potentially like the discussion that we end up having about it, um, because this is about war and um, there is um, conflict, um, death of personnel in this. So um, if you're listening and you feel like that might uh, impact you, um, by all means, please pause and come back as much or as little as you're able to as we um, go through this content. Uh, we're a Gold Star family, and um, all that means is that uh, we had a family member that was killed in action uh, serving our country. So this hits, like some of this stuff hits our family a little bit different than maybe some other viewers might. So I just want to go in uh, with the utmost um, you know, reverence and um, mindfulness, right? regarding this content before we, we go full steam ahead. So there's that. So, um, guys, we, like I said, this is a, um, uh, this is a, uh, a war episode as the name kind of implies. And, um, of course we got the flashback, um, stuff about Jagal, right. That was mentioned earlier in the season. Um, from actually the very first episode. Um, and then, you know, like the like little relational bit. And um, jumping right into this, it's um, start date, was it 1875.4? Is that what it is? Uh, something like that, four or five? I don't know. Um, I feel like they're making this up as they go. Anyway, um, we're en route to, um, or we've arrived at the Prospero system to basically pick up um, an ambassador, uh, a very unique ambassador, and this very unique ambassador is on a very unique Starfleet-looking ship um, to kind of help us um, navigate the um, uh, some of the post-Klingon war type stuff and trying to create more uh, unity or something, more or less. Um, and it's a former Klingon general. Yeah, the, the ship, what, wasn't it called like the Kelsey May or something like that? Yes, the Kelsey May. It's like, was that somebody's child? Is, it, is that like, you know? I like, was looking that up. I was trying to find it. I couldn't find much of anything. Okay. But yeah, it was it was very unique. It looked more like a, um, like a, what would that have been? Like closer to like a Prometheus looking class, I think from like 24th century. Um, with with the stuff that I was able to find in terms of like some rationale is that the Kelsey May had to have been something that had like a specific like purpose like specific mission um, uh, almost in the same vein as like the what was that the Pasteur the, the Olympic class that like um, alternate um, Captain Crusher Picard had Right and all good things like yeah, the sure. like the, uh, like the sign the doctor the medical ship yeah 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 so like yeah the rationale allegedly was that maybe these the, the Kelsey May whatever the actual class is but like the you know the ship um, maybe it was designed specifically for um, ambassadors and other diplomatic things but the thing that I found kind of interesting and I'm probably gonna go a little inside baseball on this one is that it only had. Um, like the one nacelle um, underneath on its belly. So like the fact that it only had one nacelle 
especially like 23rd century, meant that it probably couldn't have gone that fast. I'm thinking if I'm carrying precious cargo like an ambassador, any kind of diplomat for that matter, or high-ranking official, I want to be able to get the heck out of Dodge as quickly as possible. And like with one nacelle, that just seems kind of, I don't know, suspect in a way that you wouldn't be able to move as quickly. Just my two cents. Um, but yeah, all this in, there's been this infighting in like this little system that we're in basically. And um, here we are, um, this former general um, who's defected to um, our side, our side being um, Starfleet and the Federation. Um, you know, where the Enterprise is being tasked with getting him from there to Starbase 12 um, a little ways off. So we're going to be spending, like, a little bit of time with the dude, like about a day or two or whatever ends up being in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, Ambassador Dakra, son of Raul. Just call me Ra. The Egyptian sun god. Does he have any Jaffa that he's going <laughs> to have walking around with him? I know. I kept thinking that this whole episode, yeah. too. <laughs> Look, last week we had a Stargate, and this year we have a System Lord. Are you kidding me? Um, system Lord. <laughs> a balding System Lord. That's right. That's right. With some sweet some sweet braids, man. Sweet mm-hmm. Yeah. Braids, Played by Robert Wisdom, who's been around for a while i mean if you've seen the wire he's in the wire he was in prison break one of those seasons he's been around for a long time yeah um yeah and so he um he arrives like he beams aboard we do like the bosun's whistle like you know kind of like rolling out the red carpet for the dude and um you know initially it's like let's show you to your quarters and he's like Nah, bro, I want to see what you got. And, like, got La'an and Una or, that are seeming kind of suspect, like, say, what? He wants to see our ship. Like, for real, for real. Like, that's kind of the vibe I was picking up on. Um, so, but we do. We take him around. We give him a little stroll. And, um, I mean, this, yeah. is where we, this is where we start to learn. Like, we know that the Enterprise was told to stay out of the war, the Klingon Federation war that happened during discovery season one. And, and we saw how Pike was like, kind of, he didn't really like that decision to, to have to stay out of the war. But we learned that like the entire crew on the enterprise was not out of the war because they were like on different assignments at the time. And, you know, so who was there and who wasn't, is a big theme of this episode and, and how you dealt with it and how you understand it. And we learned that like Ortegas on the bridge, she was, she was, she fought in the war, right? We don't know what ship or where, but some capacity she was involved though. Some capacity she was involved and she's talking about that with, you know, uh, Uhura on the bridge. Like you weren't there. I was like, we can't trust this guy. You know, I saw what Klingons did during the war and my entire opinion is going to be colored by my experience here that you just can't understand. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, she says something to the effect of, um, um, all I know are these stories. So we, we end up on the bridge, right? Um, 
we're, we're on the bridge, I think is like the next scene, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and we have Uhura and we have Ortegas that are kind of talking about this. And Ortegas is like a little keyed up as she is. Um, as she she probably, gets that way. Yeah, she gets that way. But she's keyed up uh, knowing that this this dude from the war, from the, you know the other side, right, is now on their ship. And she's not too happy. You know, Hura's trying to be positive about it. And, um, um, you know, Hura thinks it's a great thing that he's on our side now, that, that Ra's on our side now. And Ortegas goes on to say, you know, like, it's fine and everything, but all I know are the stories, right? Um, that he killed his own men to cover his own retreat, that um, there's a reason Klingon call him the Butcher of Jagal, and um, all this other stuff while Captain Pike, Una, Ra, and the whole entourage are walking onto the bridge hearing her say this stuff. Yeah. Talk about foot in mouth syndrome, Erica. Let's go. And yeah. But it, 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 I mean, it, it underlines a lot of like, there's always one character who always puts their foot in your mouth. I mean, a check off would have, you know, came to mind. Or, then, or what's the O'Reilly or something like that in um, Balance of Terror? Yeah. Keeps talking about my my grandfather fought in the war against the Romulans and Spock, you're one, you look just like one of them, and yeah, you know, and leave your prejudices off the bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's, you know. We, we got very acclimatized to Klingons in later series and everything, you know, obviously like Worf and then DS nine and, you know, the fighting together and then fighting against each other and then fighting together again. Um, but you know, although as chase calls them, the California raisin Klingons of discovery were a bit silly, at least in design, I mean, it did underline the brutality that Klingons are capable of because it, it is sort of glossed over because it's like, nah, they're friends now later on, you know. But um, I think it is important to to always underline that in their code of honor, <laughs> Klingons do a lot of really bad stuff. Yep. They really do. So there's a, re- I mean, there's a valid reason why people would be uncomfortable with a Klingon being in their midst. Yeah, it's like we forget back in the original series, they were the villains. They were the enemy. Yeah. And we're still very much, we have to put ourselves in that mindset because that's what the character's mindset is. Yeah. Well, they're also very fresh off of this war, too. Yeah. So. A year year or two. Yeah. Yep. I think, like, there's a caption that's going to be coming up here pretty soon, too. And I think the caption says something to the effect of not too long ago. It says a few years ago. A few years ago. There we go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we take in the sights and we get like a nice little compliment about like what a great view this is. And Klingons would never admit this. But, you know, we love Federation ships and stuff like that. Good for you. And then um, as they're leaving the bridge, Pike gives just gives or take us a look as you were right like, I I'm just I mean I know Pike is like has his own like command style but I'm uh, I mean it could have happened off screen it probably did but 
I just, I'm just having a hard time thinking that him or Una didn't like really. Yeah, I I have some issues with with Captain Pike in this episode as well, and I don't know when exactly is the time to get into. I think it might be later that yeah, I want to bring up those issues, but I I don't think he handled this situation as well as he could have or should passively. or should have. Yeah, very passively. Very but, passive. But, to be fair, though, Ortegas is not really the center or focal point of the episode, so having a sidebar with her at this point, narratively, probably wouldn't make that much sense. But like, you're right. It would have I mean, been wouldn't... one of those extra scenes that we say, well, we could have cut this out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but I mean, truly, yeah, you would... Like maybe, hey, in my ready room real quick, let's let's take a quick chat type of deal or, you know, Una takes care of it. Yeah. But anyway, we go down to Ten Ford or wherever the heck it is, right? Yeah, the, the mess bar. hall. <laughs> yeah. And Spock's making a Raktagino. Yep. With a little Raktagino uh, cup. By the I don't way. really like Raktaginos. Oh, but I slaved over this replicator all day. <laughs> like, they didn't really have food replicators in the original series, did they? I mean, it's just because they probably hadn't come no, up they, with the idea in our world. They had those little cubes. You, you, yeah, you, you put you put the floppy disk in the pod, and you get colorful cubes. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember there being, like, matter synthesizers until at least animated series yeah yeah that's right there's all kinds of technology right that doesn't fit right but that's okay right yeah because limitations of the imagination of right right yeah yeah Yeah. and so this guy he burns his hand on the cup right because it's too hot right i think perhaps we should let it cool a bit (laughs) and then we got to go to sick bay you know, you know, I know you're a Klingon, you can handle pain, but like while you're here, let's just let let me not hurt the ambassador. Basically. <laughs> you know, let's just yeah. make sure it's taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. And so he shows up um, to get his his boo-boo checked out from burning his hand on a coffee cup. And uh and Banga whoo. He starts having a panic attack. He is having one heck of a panic attack. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and Chapel is somehow keeping it all together, saying, I'll take care of this. And he goes, and he kind of starts having flashback stuff to the war and hearing explosions and bad stuff. Yeah. Roll credit. Roll credits. All right. Well, um, do we want? Okay. How do we, how do y'all want to do this? You want to talk about um, the stuff on the ship, or do you want to talk about the past first? I, I think the stuff in the past lends itself better to explaining the stuff on the ship. That's just my opinion. Yeah, okay. I, I agree. All right. So let's just roll right through all the flashback stuff um, as, as expediently, but as also thoroughly as we can at the same time, too. So um, we're coming out of... Yeah, no, it's like an oxymoron. It's fine. Um, so we come out of, of our opening credits, right, and we're in this flashback, like we were kind of alluding to um, just a few years ago, back to the Klingon War, 
um, and we have um, uh, Chapel, who's on the shuttlecraft, which, by the way, the design of the shuttle just looked odd to me. I'm kind of nitpicking, but it looked odd, like with the placement of the nacelles and like the size of the nacelles uh, for a shuttlecraft just looked weird to me. Like, I feel like they should have been lower instead of like up top. I think they're just playing with design at this point. I know they are. I know. I know, but it just, it looked odd. It just looked odd, so. The only thing, if you really think about it, if they're up above and you're coming down, harder to shoot the nacelles out. Now you do leave the underbelly of your ship vulnerable, but maybe they have extra plating or something shielding there. But it might be harder to like hit your nacelles just when you're thinking from a like a warish standpoint. I don't. Know. I remember reading something. Um, it had to have been shortly after um, um, Enterprise um, went off the air that I think part of like the nacelle design was that the more that like warp technology advanced, including like nacelles and ship design and stuff like that, advanced. Um, the lower the nacelles would become, would go. So, like, if you look, um, like, at least that was, like, the idea behind, like, the Enterprise J that we saw in, like, that future timeline, that you look at the universe-class Enterprise and, like, the nacelles are, like, way at the bottom, like, they're underneath the ship as opposed to up above the saucer section or something like that. It doesn't matter. It's fine. I'm being a nerd right now, and I'm okay with it. Nerds. Nerd. Okay, this shuttle, the Moon of Jagal, a few years ago, is delivering Nurse Chapel, and I would assume other medical personnel and supplies. Nope, right? just Nurse Chapel. She's <laughs> she's all the backup who, you get. Who knows if this is the front line, like the front line, or one of a uh, one of the fronts? But fighting here looks really vicious. Right, like some of the most vicious fighting planetary wise we've ever seen in Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, there, there's been talk about, like, you know, obviously Klingons are going to use hand to hand combat, they're going to use their batleths and, and the uh, mechleths and, and all that sort of stuff. And, like, these are all designed to, like, that wound, like, you're, you're getting some nasty wounds and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, we even have one guy transported in and it just looks like his entire, you know, mid sections, just, uh, basically ground beef, you know? Um, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll give him some credit, like maybe not the most family friendly episode, but definitely like pretty impactful, I guess, from just like, uh, um, what would that be like, uh, props and makeup and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and, and just to carry on with that, like, I know in this new era of Star Trek, it's gotten, like, darker and, and more violent in a sense, and I think there, there are some places that I feel like that violence has gone a little maybe over the line. Like, I would go back to, like, Picard Season 1 with Egypt's eyeball being ripped out. Yeah. Um, maybe a little unnecessary. It, it, as, like... I think in this episode, though, I think it was done, like, the right amount. Like, I don't I know if, like, the words, it was, it was, it was not 
over the top, but it was enough to really yeah. like get you to understand the like just like the terrible conditions that are happening in this this front this this war. Agreed. I I agree hundred percent. Like I I've been I was thinking about like your voice, Eric, about like all the violence and stuff and like how over the top it's been in recent years but I think that they captured the essence of war in a in an appropriate manner even for television yeah um, I think that they they, they they walk that line very well um, I think that's one of the things they did very well in this episode um, but yeah we, we we get down there and we get beamed down onto the pad and there's explosions right and um we're, we're introduced to, uh, what was it, Commander? Is that who it was? Commander Buck Martinez, played by Clint, Clint Howard. Howard. We get more Clint Howard, everyone. Yeah. Keeps, keeps popping up here. He does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 60 years or almost, 55, yeah. 57, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And he's, like, backing right up to, like, when he first appeared, basically. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But we also understand that one Dr. Mbenga is stationed here, and he's the guy who does most of the work. Even though Commander Howard is in charge, Joseph's really the guy you got to see. Yeah. Joseph, Joseph does a lot around here. He does a lot around here. <laughs> oh, and then, by the way, Chapel, you're, uh, you're head nurse. Have fun. What? <laughs> but I just got here. I had to get rid of a I had to get rid of a lot of Romulan ale and <laughs> stuff, but there you go. So, well, there, there she's thrust right into it. This is yeah. almost like, hey, here's your little sleeping tent. Oh, alarm! You know, incoming. You know, the casualties. Straight <laughs> Take up. Taking a show. Enjoy your downtime when you can. Yeah. Oh wait, time to work. Let's go. Let's go. Um, yeah, so we're, we're, you know, treating, like, these casualties as they're coming in, right? And um, there, there's this one dude that comes in, if I'm remembering this correct. Yeah, one dude that comes in, and he's he's looking pretty gnarly. The and, heart um, thing. Huh? The heart thing. Uh, no, the transporter dude. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, he's he's like um, he's been shish kebabbed basically, and um, he's not gonna make it, and he's not gonna make it for like a transport. So, um, Chapel is like still pretty new to this whole like you know frontline medicine kind of thing, and like hey, let's just put him like in the pattern buffer and just like wait and see, and we can get his like pattern a little bit later. Hey, I, gee, I wonder when that's gonna come into play in the future. I have no idea, but it sounds like a great idea, Eric. I like the idea. <laughs> yeah. Nothing bad is going to happen at all. So that's what we do. We put them on ice. We just keep them in the pattern and let them just be there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then there's this other guy that comes in that they're doing surgery on. And, like, this, like, medical, like, surgery that doesn't really, really look very futuristic <laughs> from what I think of, like, Star Trek medicine. They're, like, yeah. just looks like normal modern medicine to us where they're like cut him open and they're like grab his heart and pump it for him 
But to be yeah, like, fair, they they did say they don't have what was it like a, an organ internal generator? Yeah, right. They don't have all of the things that you would find on a starship, right? And that or, that's the interesting thing, though, because like in a world that's so dominated by technology, if technology is either one not there or two fails, what do you revert back to? Whatever McCoy would call the Stone Ages. You know, <laughs> drilling holes in this man's head won't help him. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me a pill. And I got a new liver. Got a new kidney. I got a new kidney. <laughs> so here's the thing that I, I do want to like complain about a little bit. Like on Mash, okay, like that you know that one show that was on the air a while ago. On Mash, they had you know personal protective gear. They did. They had like at least like a mask, like we we wore like ages ago, like the whole globe war. They had masks. Like, what's so freaking hard about just wearing a mask when you're in surgery? At least a mask while you're in surgery. But but Chase, you have to understand that when you're just sending in, into battle with just a cloth shirt and cloth pants and so forth and a phaser rifle. Who cares what the medical, you know, staff is doing? You're just, you, they've never outfitted anybody. It's like, here, here is your black suit. Enjoy. <laughs> Battle blacks, you know? I'm just saying, that just bugged me that, like, yeah. yes, we had, like, the Hollywood, like, blood squirt or whatever. Like, got all over their faces <laughs> and stuff. And Boy. I mean, they're wearing, like, gloves. I, I mean, I, I swear I saw them wearing gloves, like, whenever, like, Chapel's, like, doing the... the massaging the heart pumping thing but like seriously like i don't know get like a, a three ring binder or something and like hold it up i don't know maybe they're in short supply too we, we requested that i'll be here on tuesday <laughs> tractor beam uh tuesday tuesday <laughs> Well, anyway, so after we, we fix up this guy, there's Mega has a little conversation with him, but then some Andorian guy shows up and is yeah. like, No, that whatever you want, no. Not happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this dude is like with like black ops or whatever, like special forces or something. Mm-hmm. And um trying to recruit Mbanga to go do some like super sketchy stuff for the war. I just don't really get this. It's like, so what, what, it, what was Mbanga at one point? Like, I mean, was he literally just like, like super soldier out here? And when did this happen? Cause it's like, I don't remember how long this Klingon war was supposed to be going on, but it didn't feel like less than a crazy. year, I think. Yeah. Or so, no, maybe a year and a half. So, but you know, we are, we, we're hearing about the protocol 12. So his super juice. And it's like, I, I feel like this guy's been like fighting covertly for like a long time. Well, was he like recruited out of Starfleet medical to like do some, strange sketchy medicine stuff i'm not gonna lie like you know a little bit of background on him like invent i'm assuming he invented this stuff and like did he dr jekyll and mr hide this stuff for a while and then he's like no i'm a piece hold on quieter no no i am a peaceable man 
not, I, I will no longer kill. Turns out injecting yourself full of adrenaline is not is bad for your health. It's yeah, you can talk to Jack Bauer about parts. that once. <laughs> I just, I just found that interesting that he's like basically viewed at least by this you know whatever this guy this Andorian is like a super soldier or something like yeah, that yeah like an ultimate well, what, badass yeah right so what was uh, I, I'm blanking right now like what conflict or conflicts took place you know shortly before this or before the Klingon war do we know I'm assuming it's just like you know, special undercover intelligence work where they go to try yeah. to destabilize foreign regimes, <laughs> like Killmonger oh, style. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I'm about to make I'm about to make a manga even cooler. Right? Are you ready for this? Oh, He's space Killmonger. Ooh, I like that. That's kind of cool, actually. That's better than what I was gonna say. I was gonna say, you know, Mbenga used to be an operative for Section Thirty One. Yeah, I didn't want to go there. Yeah. He's uh, Ash Tyler's former commanding officer. I know. Section 31 has official representatives on starships at this point in time. With their special deltas. (sighs) But anyway, no, he's not going to do it. I refuse. I will not do it. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. He also gives a little bit of a you know, pep talk to the guy who got his heart worked on. That was nice. Mm-hmm. I really like that speech, that, little, that monologue that he gave. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was pretty darn good. Um, so yeah, the 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 young ensign he got he's the one that got his his heart massaged by Chapel. And um, anyway, I think it's like. Just a little bit after, like, this pep talk. Uh, yeah, we hope we, the fighting doesn't change us, right? We all want to go back home to the places that we came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. If and, we don't uh, fight, we don't win. The Klingons aren't going to just go back. I like what, what um, I just want to, like, say this. Um, and Mangus says, I joined to find new ways of healing people. Uh, but with Starfleet, you learn how the rest of the universe treats its maladies. And it, this war, it's a disease eating at the heart of the Federation. Yeah. And, and we saw, I mean, we saw what the Federation was willing to do at the end of the war in season one of Discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, the next thing that happens, like within this flashback, is. Um, Despite Mbanga saying no, uh, we have our um, super secret agent and Dorian, who is now getting the entire outfit to go, uh, you know, advance the enemy basically. And this young ensign, no longer calling himself an explorer, he now calls himself a soldier and says, "I got this." More yeah, and for Black Ops guys, they sure talk really loud out in the open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just talking about their plan out here in the middle of the town square. Yeah. I feel like he's more of like, you know, just like like the Marines or, or like, you know, not super secret Navy SEAL guy. Like if he's if he 
Yeah, if he's actually like Section 31 or whatever you want to call it, I'd be a little surprised. Yeah, I know. Let's, let's, let's see if he has his official representative uh, Delta badge that's on his uniform. You know what I'm saying? Never mind. Um, so they go and, you know, uh, and Bang is like, bro, I could like order you for like convalescence or whatever. Like, don't even try it, bud. Don't even try it. Um, and uh, just a little bit later, uh, they're beaming people back um, because things aren't going so hot. And uh, remember that dude that we kept on ice? Still on ice. But that ice is about to melt for him real quick. Uh, yeah, we we got a buffer. Purge the buffer. There are two things here, though. First of all, with Hart Ensign, Ensign Hart, as I'll call him. I like it. You know, that, unfortunately, is a common thing you see in the military, where you will see guys who just want to keep going back and going back. And if you look at, like, you know, World War II and everything, people who get wounded and they still want to keep going back in to their detriment. And, you know, then we look at the aftermath of a lot of these people who come back and, you know, they're never the same. And it's like, how much do you have to give? You don't have to continue to give everything. Um, or you do. It just depends on your code. You know what I mean? And unfortunately to Ensign Hart here, you know, he gave his life for for this, this cause. But then the other thing I wanted to say, you know, I, I'm not going to go into like belief systems or, or you know, what you think happens after we all say the big goodbye but there's something very strange to me about boiling you down to a pattern and a buffer and then just pushing a button and you're gone like how does that actually equate to anything you know what I mean like how sad is that you just literally like hit the delete key on a person you didn't even there's no there's no funeral there's no remains there's no any of that it's just gone like is there like some sort of matter dispersal somewhere out in the universe like this person's biological building blocks just float out into the ether you know what I mean it's like a really weird thing to think about because I mean, even in the the episode with uh, with Scotty and, and Next Gen, with old Franklin, you know, Franklin didn't make it. But like, where did Franklin go? Interesting to me. I'm trying to think if they've ever answered that question. You know, like you know, scattering the ashes of like someone that's been cremated, type of thing. Because like you're you've been reduced down to energy, right? Like you've been broken down into like the bajillions of molecules that make you up, and then reassembled on the other side. Like that's how the transporter works. But there is no other side. I mean, like you're part of like some matrix on the ship. So, or yeah. the what the whatever, right? It's an interesting question. I don't know. 
that would be a that would probably be like a more involved conversation than we have time for yeah. unfortunately but anyway all this pushes a manga too far yeah I mean he's he's uh he's all about that protocol 12 and I'm like I'm going after him I'm going to avenge Emson Hart and uh by the way if you need to find me here's my calling card you can call it whenever you're ready but only when you're ready to get me out of here I'm sorry I was doing that too loud I'm not going to do all that over again as a whisper yeah um but yeah he Mbenga go gets juiced up and uh takes on some Klingons yeah he does boy does he Stabby McStabberson in the head. Grabs a Klingon knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I mean that's that's kind of leading a little bit into more of the present, but Ra's whole moniker is the Butcher because he was said to have killed his own men to escape. Mm-hmm. Whereas he didn't do anything; he fled. When it was actually Mbanga who took out three of the general other generals that were on on this battlefield. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And and you, you get some nasty stuff here because in that last transport you're getting kids, civilians. You know, so the the, the Klingons aren't just fighting the military anymore. Yeah, they they even goes they say it in the pre, in the present scenes. Like anyone who wasn't a Klingon is the enemy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So now that we've covered all that, let's talk about what's actually happening in the present. <laughs> um, trying to remember where we're at. Um, so, uh, Pike comes to get some, oh, like, yeah, comes to deal get some Delton, that could like kill Delton you or parsley. something. Delton Parsley. I need that parsley juice, man. Yeah, just a pretense. Like, yeah, I need uh, I need this pencil. Oh, while I'm here and I'm getting this pencil from you, I'd like to talk to you for a minute. <laughs> I'll just try to get my steps for the day. You know, my Fitbit told me I was, uh, you know, I haven't been moving very much. So how are you? <laughs> I'm having a dinner. I know, I know you you saw some time, but come to dinner. Guess who's coming to dinner? We've with got we've got jambalaya with parsley. <laughs> Delton parsley. <laughs> nom 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 nom. So naturally, he's very apprehensive because you know what's his face. The system lord's going to be there. Yeah, and we're going to dinner. Tegas is outside. She's like, ah. she's doing the. I'm gonna go in. No, I'm not gonna go. No, I'm gonna go in. No, I'm not gonna go in. She's leaving. Ah, Erica, come back here. What are you? What's going on? Like, Butcher, everyone's everyone's singing his praises, and I don't want to pretend to do that. Like, this guy's a monster. I have a bad poker face. I need to bail. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. There's a chance that he's generally, genuinely changed. Right. Shouldn't we give him the benefit of the doubt? Isn't that what Starfleet is about? Put on a Starfleet face. 
Isn't that the best face? Ahura <laughs> uh, so uh, really is like lapping in a lot of this, you know, like sort of has that starry eyed ensign th- thing going on there. Yeah. Well, yes, because she doesn't know anything about the war. I mean, like, I've got to believe that if it was just two years ago, she was at the academy during the war, right? So you've got to feel like they, like, were told some information. They were not, the cadets were not just shielded from the war, the realities of what was happening. Right. Right. Well, I, th- I think one of the things that, like, it, it's a differentiation, at least for me, like, in, in the original series, whenever we encountered the Klingons, everybody was always kind of on edge. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or at least vigilant. And here, to have this almost naivety after, you know, a short but bloody war, while short is a relative term, we all know how long wars can honestly go on, but mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of felt a little weird to me. <laughs> In a way, you know, mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah, but I guess there's always somebody in the crowd that might be very quick to forgive and and you know kind of move on from things. So it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at, at this dinner we've got Spock trying to like distract <sighs> Chapel or God. whatever he's trying to do. So awkward, man. Well, well you're starting to see the cracks in that too. Mm-hmm. You know, because really we, we we've talked we've talked so much about like how are they going to end this because they have to, but knowing that it's still kind of sad because Chapel still likes Spock in the original series, mm-hmm. but you can already see the cracks here. Like he he just doesn't know how to deal with humans. Yeah, but then he then he gets a good idea. He's like oh, he's just over there telling stories like it's like whatever, like it's no big deal. And Spock's like ah, I got an idea. Are you familiar with the art of war? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I love that book. It's like this Klingon book. Let's talk about it. That was actually pretty good. Like, let's let's distract him from all the stories by getting him down like the rabbit hole. Yeah. I just feel like Christine, though, just just a small little bit more on that. I feel like she really wants like almost the relationship that Sarek and Amanda have. Where Sarek is still very, very stoic. And then not like, I don't need you to understand me. I just need you to be a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's almost what she wants. But anyway, we can, yeah. we can throw that ball, that little idea, idea up and throw it in the bin for now. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah. we, after having like that little brief philosophical doohickey, right? Comparing the two texts, um, you know, we're we're still. I think we're we're moseying our way into actually having dinner, and this is where things get really awkward. Yeah, like, G- I, is this is this dinner scene here? Is it too similar to Star Trek Six? Yes, I was like, thinking about that too. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, like I get. It's like that's an amazing scene in that movie, right? Where. Kirk has to come to like Kirk and his crew and after they have to like sit and have dinner with generals and the Klingon chancellor and eh, Klingons we need breathing room oh Hitler 1939 right and and then at the end he's like dang I don't think any of us behaved very well 
right? And I'm just here. It's like they did like the exact same thing. Well, the thing, Eric, the thing I was thinking about when I was watching this was I felt like we're trying to do undiscovered country way too soon. We yeah, are because we haven't heel. earned it. We haven't earned it, and it's it's not that it's a bad attempt necessarily. It's that I think it's too fresh, right? Like the the war, like internally speaking, was like what two, three, some odd years ago, like whatever the mm-hmm. official timeline is. Right. And we already know, like we as the audience know what's going to happen with the Klingons, like with Kittimer and all that stuff um, here in a few decades, right? Like that's going to happen in a few decades. And I'm like, I'm just thinking, you know, we have a former general. We don't have um, Laurel or whoever the actual, you know, chancellor is at this point that's getting involved in these talks. Like if peace and reparations and whatever else we want to throw in the barrel is so important, why aren't we getting like Klingon, or Klingon, the Klingon chancellor or you know, other kinds of like governors and leaders, you know, elders, whatever involved in this. But to besides be fair, just a, besides just him. But to be fair, he's a defector. That's true. I, I so, under, yeah, I understand that he's a defector. Yeah, so he's not really, in my opinion, he's not a representation of the Klingon Empire. He's a guy who's trying to do his own press tour, and whatever that might lead to in his own mind is is a different thing. But like. I wouldn't expect to see the chancellor right now at all because they're so fresh and they're licking their wounds and like losing yeah, is not an option, you know? But, so. but the, the Laurel came to Starfleet's defense against control. Mm. Right. Mm. So some, so, I mean, they were willing to fight then, but yeah, I, you're right. He's not a representative of the but like, this government, is, but it's too on the nose sure. with, with the plotting that we know is happening in, in undiscovered country mm-hmm. down the road. Yeah, but maybe maybe this they you that you could almost have as a building block to uh, sure what eventually happens. Sure. You know, it's like hey, there was this attempt what we knew about, but it was like the wrong person at the wrong time, and I don't know. But you're right; it it, it does seem a little too on the nose and a little too similar, but yeah. And then, like, in the middle of this, Ortega's, she's like, I've had enough of this. Like, you know, your battle cry, remain Klingon, remain Klingon, remain Klingon. Boom, all my friends are dead. And then, like, Una's like, Lieutenant, you are out of line. And she kind of looks over at Pike, and he's like, I don't know, what, what can I do about it? And, and I'm like, I don't like that. I, I like the fact that Una got something to do, and she was there, and she's like, you crossed the line right here, Lieutenant. But, like, this seems very feckless on, on Pike's part in this moment, and I, I don't like it. And and I know it's skipping a little bit later, and I want to get into this now. Like, after this dinner, Una comes to Pike and says, look, we got to get this guy off the ship. Like, your crew, your crew can't handle this. And it's like, did Pike not think about this at all? about how this I this situation having this person on there would affect his crew it seems like he didn't think at all that some people might not be okay with this 
and I, I don't understand. It seems very out of character for the Pike that we know, well, and it's, only, it's bad leadership. Like at this point, not only that, Eric, but if I remember correctly, um, in season two of Discovery, I know we're going way in the way back machine on this one, but I can remember Pike at one point in the season even complaining in some form or fashion about being away from the war instead of in it. Mm -hmm. So, like, even if you're away from the war and you know the enemy, more or less, like, this should have been something that was, like, playing in his mind just by virtue of being absent from it mm -hmm. and having just, that line of dialogue with his, his fellow Starfleet officers. Yeah, I they, just think they've forgotten how to write Pike right now. Because, like... If, if you think about, like, when maybe you say, like, check off, mouths off, you always get, like, Kirk, like, you're out of line, mister. And it's like you get you get stern Kirk for a moment. Like, you have jovial Kirk, but you also have to understand this guy's a bit high-strung at times. Pike is almost a little too laid back. He's almost too much of, like, a an ambivalent father. When, in reality... I don't actually think that's the character at all. I think this is a character who should be able to be written like, you know, like a strong captain like Picard or something like that who's like steps in. It's like, no, you got to stop. Yes, I have anticipated this a little bit better. Thank you, number one, for bringing this to my attention. I've thought about it, too. I think you're right. Let's go ahead and go. But it's almost like he's he's sort of like given up any sort of realm of being a captain here, which is weird. It's it's weird, and I don't like it. Like, there's not a lot that I dislike about this episode. But when Eric was, you know, saying earlier that he wanted to bring it up, obviously brought it up. Right. It's a weird thing to see. It's like it's like they forgot how to write him. Mm -hmm. mm. Can I? I just want to play maybe devil's advocate just a little bit on this um, for some reason like especially in my second viewing of that of the dinner scene um, where, where Una jumps in actually where Una jumps in both times I was seeing kind of like some Riker-esque stuff oh sure you yeah. know like Riker was typically the one that would probably be getting on more with the crew than, than Picard was. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking maybe there's like that leeway, you know, in letting the commander kind of like stretch their legs and like be the disciplinarian. Yeah, but Picard, or whatever. Picard too, though, Picard jumped in there on more than one occasion but as well. I, like and I also something. feel like if, if Riker had stepped in there and said, hey, you're out of line and had looked to Picard... Picard would have backed him up 100. Yeah. percent And I don't feel like Pike did that here. He just like, oh, I don't know what to do. And 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 it's like almost like Pike. He's like he needs this to work so badly. Like he needs the ambassador, like this defector, to to like his story. And he needs it so badly that he's willing to like overlooks so many things which seems again very out of character you think in like lethal weapon like diplomatic immunity <laughs> no. 
don't get me started on that on that diplomatic immunity crap from that movie. But I, I mean, it, it is it is kind of it is kind of interesting because it's almost like maybe after the stuff with Una and like maybe not making the best of impression anymore with April. Maybe it's it is kind of a thing where he's sort of like. Yeah, in order to maybe make sure that you guys are all taken care of when I'm potentially gone, maybe I need to start making better inroads again, getting some wins stocked up, so this doesn't wind up being the crew of the blacklisted. You know what I mean? Maybe there's something to that a little bit. It doesn't really fit his personality much. That's not the fly by the seat of your pants space cowboy, though. No, it's not. But is is Pike a space cowboy like Kirk is? Well, but I mean, I mean he's a cowboy. He's a real cowboy. Yeah, he well, is yeah. actually a cowboy. I mean, Kirk, <laughs> Kirk, when you really examine Kirk, he's more of a like overly studious womanizer. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the guy actually was more like, you know, athletic, obviously, but more of a nerd than anything. Oh, yeah, else. sure. You know, so I would actually categorize Pike as more potential the cowboy, but it just doesn't really feel like that. But it almost feels like he's, you know, I think you hit it, though. It's like there's like a desperation here. I have to I have to make this work. But it's like, why? Why do you have to make this work so much so that you're not being yourself? Yeah. I don't know. So within this dinner scene, you know, I know we, we talked about um, like there's these outbursts that are kind of taking place, but we're, we're, re- we're revealing who the, the veterans are, like who served during the war and who didn't and um, need to make them make themselves scarce. So like Erica just walks out, which wouldn't happen like without grant, being granted permission to be dismissed. So that was weird wasn't well but was, but to be fair it was a more of a casual environment though right it's not necessarily like an ordered thing you're at the captain's table man and you're in uniform i mean yeah, that's you're a, in uniform right Cause obviously like, the had, polite thing to do but we've had pike have dinners right where they were not in uniform yeah yeah fair. um and then chapel like she's like getting the heck out of there to go check on her good i guess that's good and pike sees you know Mbanga like gripping the chair like hey why don't you go check on chapel make sure that chapel's doing a good job with erica cool um but on the way hey you want to meet up and do some judo some 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 jujitsu let's let's go so I, i know we have like we have a few more scenes left of like the ship stuff um we do he checks his calendar and they have time to beat each other up it it ends up working out um by the way uh the way that they wore their geese was totally appropriate for someone that practices jujitsu and one that was totally appropriate for how someone practices um karate and things of that nature especially down to the way that they tie their belts Actually, I actually like this. I think they choreographed it really well. I do too. But I mean, do you think M- Mbang, a human, like, would be able to? I know to like really spar this well with a Klingon general. I do. Do you? He's supposed to be a super soldier guy. But 
Not right now, he's not. I mean, he's still got the skill. He just doesn't have the juice. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how much of, like, a, a BA Worf was. And, like, mm. no one could spar with him, right? If he was really, like, True. going at it. But I don't know. Is, is this guy... It, I mean, yeah, he's a general, but... I mean, we've also seen Cisco just overhand double axe handle smash a Klingon before and drop him, so. Okay. I don't know. Okay, fair, fair. So, yeah, it was a great, great sparring session. And, um. He was like, something about, like, in here, he wants the Je- Ra wants Mbenga and him to like make a joint statement or start to work together because that would be like a really good message to people if on two different sides. Right? And together join we me. can rule the universe as we can bring peace son. to the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like, consider joining me at our next peace conference. Right, we can help further Klingon Federation relationships. Yeah. Hey, we also ask a really big favor of me here, right? I don't think I can do that. We saw the return of the sonic shower. Yes, we did. We did. Did you particularly enjoy that, David? I did. It's great. Good. They never show anybody just showering anymore like Voyager, you know, you just, just what do they do? Well you got sonic showers, now we know. Yeah, now it's we- important operational information, Chase. Let's go. Hey, last time we saw a shot sonic shower was uh lower decks. Yeah, true. Yeah, and they were naked. <laughs> Inappropriate. I'm not being in a shower, but like the fact that it was a co ed shower, right? And yeah. we saw them blurred out it's, ah, whatever we don't need to talk about that anymore not for a few more weeks at least <laughs> but j- just one more little important detail here just for the end um, our general does say that he killed his men so he does say that, that yes, he, he was the one who did it so, I think this finally brings us to the end. Was he walking with a cane he was any other time, time in this episode? Yes, he, he was did. the entire yeah, time. Oh, what? Did. The whole episode he was using a cane? Yes, I don't think yeah. I noticed it, but it was very obvious in this. Where'd that cane come from? Yeah. <laughs> when he got off the transporter pad, he had it okay. leaning against the table at dinner. Yeah. All right. Just checking. <laughs> so, um, we find ourselves again, um, there have been like the intercuts with like the flashbacks, but uh, the the next time we we find um, we find ourselves in sick bay, and uh, Mbanga is looking in his little time capsule of stuff, and he sees um, you know the dagger that he used. We find out uh, among as well as a few other trinkets that are important to him, and um, Ra comes in to kind of shoot the breeze with them and 
I've had convert not to the point where I want to kill someone, but I've had like these kind of conversations where I'm like, just leave me alone, dude. Yeah, just let it go, right? Like, read the room. Like, yeah. I he's like, the Ra. He's like, just you gotta work with me here. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> not interested. Not now. Not ever. Let's go. Peace out, Girl Scout. You gotta go. And uh, it's it's just not not working. And then, you know, uh, Mbenga has his like you know, come to Jesus kind of meeting with him. Like, hey, look, you know, I we were both there. War changes us. And you said that um, this person fought the hardest. Actually, it was your your captain or your whatever that did. Because I was there. I was the one that killed everyone you ran away and like you let me um like be a saint or or what i can't remember how he said it but like you let me just take the credit for all the work that you did people need saints people need this people need that he's like you turned me into a monster right and then that like helps my story because i was the monster right but now I've changed for the better, and what a great story, what a great narrative. If the boogeyman, he doesn't say boogeyman, but, like, can become. And people need this story. Like, you've, you've got to, like, let me hold on to this story because I can do good with it. And, and like, to a certain extent, I, I understand Ra's position here. Like, because I do really feel like he is genuine in his in his goal here to to bring peace and help improve Klingon peace Federation uh, you know relations right and and he is reformed he does like feel bad that's probably not a strong enough word right he does feel some remorse for his actions during the war and he is generally genuine like he's saying generally genuinely genuinely trying to make up for these things right i do believe that here and and it is a better story if he was the butcher of jagal and is now genuinely interested in peace right right yeah i i don't know i mean maybe it's just the read and everything i i i feel like this to me is more or is is less genuine at least from my point of view and the only reason I say that is this guy just seems like his ego is more heavily favored than perhaps his understanding of the situation I think it, I think he's definitely Klingon in the respect and it feels to me more like one last or one more battle to f- fight Once and it's not necessarily what well, yeah Once. yeah it's not necessarily that to me that he feels remorse for his actions more so that his internal drive is just making him fight one more time now whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing i think is subjective but like what disappointed me about all of this is that ultimately instead of 
fighting against the fate that is not fate, you become the exact thing that you don't want to be. And that's more towards Mbanga. Because at the end of the day, there's a scuffle and it's uh, blurred. I think for a fact, more than anything, but the end result is Mbanga kills him. Just plunges a dagger through his heart. And then we get the cover-up, which it makes me even more disappointed in Chapel and Mbanga. Because here Mbanga is saying, you did not face justice. You didn't answer for your crimes. But I'm not going to either. And whatever you might think about like good versus evil and all that stuff, at the end of the day, let's just say Ra is sincere and he's really done a lot of good and he means well, you just murdered him. In my opinion, you just killed the guy. You didn't have to stab him through the heart. You didn't have to do that at all. You did it and then you and Chapel are going to cover it up and it'll never we'll probably never hear about this again. Yeah, right. but but like do you and this is goes to the actions later. Like I agree with you like like the first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the, to truth. the truth. Whether it be right? personal truth, scientific truth. Right. But like do you think Pike actually buys Mbenga and Chapel's story here? Not at yeah. all. No. Not at all. And so, like, he is then participating in the cover-up as well. Yeah. Right? So that even further, like... So that makes it conspiracy, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, goes against the character of that we that I believe Pike to be. I think the only thing for Pike, because I, I, I totally hear that, the only thing for me with him is he doesn't have any proof, he's not going to get a confession, and the knife... Nobody knew Mbanga had the knife, and it contained the organic remains of the other warriors, and then the story that the ambassador admitted to was all him. So then you paint this narrative. So from him, he's got a little bit of plot armor where he can have his suspicion, but he can't necessarily prove it. But I got to tell you, if you really wanted to find peace from Mbanga's standpoint here it's like yeah I killed him I finished the mission I started then and you can throw the judgment of Starfleet on me and I will take that that's that being a you know not to use a singular term but being a man about it do we think I okay now that we're talking about it we were talking we, we mentioned um, maybe I mentioned this like a few weeks ago of like, how are we gonna get from Mbanga to McCoy? Had, uh, and no, no pun intended, but had Mbanga, you know, fallen on a sword in this case, that could have created some kind of like internal story for him losing position or on the trajectory to lose position, whether it would have been some kind of like elongated punishment, you know, maybe not like a penal colony, but something, right, that would have made him, like, lose position, right? Going from, like, a chief medical officer 
to being just a specialist or a whatever he ends up being by the time original series rolls around. Leaving space, right, for Leonard McCoy to eventually show up as chief medical officer. Because it's, it's, it has to lead to that. It has to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, are we... Uh, this is, uh, this is going to sound a little silly, but I'm also serious. Like, are we not going to talk about the fact that there was no pink blood for a Klingon? I mean, like, he had a friggin' dagger in his, his heart, chest, whatever, and it's just regular old red blood. I feel like that was like, I mean, it's like, it's a small thing, right? But we've seen yeah. enough pink blood on Klingons to know that that should be there. That was just, that just kind of bugged me just a little bit, enough to bring up, so. Um, but yeah, I think that especially like with like that conversation at the very end that they're having in sick bay like you have the privilege to believe the best in people and i don't and that's problematic i mean we're talking about a future where we're supposed to be seeing and believing the best in people and not the consistent but hurt 20th 21st century way of looking at at people places and things we're supposed to I mean yes there are going to be things that suck I mean we see that with Kirk and the Klingons and what he what happened with the sun right and all the conflict that happened with the Klingons but it shouldn't define us like we're like Starfleet is supposed to be the ideal and the aliens are supposed to represent the problems that we have to deal with right I mean, isn't that like the, the basic formula that we're supposed to be dealing with? Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really, I really dislike that personally. I mean, I understand it from a narrative standpoint, but boy, oh boy, when you, uh, when you accuse somebody or, and you call it the privilege of believing in star, the ideals of Starfleet, you shouldn't be there anymore. And well, maybe they're building on his story of maybe that's how yeah. they're building his story of exiting. Yeah, makes sense. So I think I think we've talked this thing to death. You want to go ahead and just move into the evaluation of stuff? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the Delta and um, how well the different divisions of Starfleet uh, service were represented from command science and operations so uh guys what do we think i know we've kind of had um maybe the the command delta kind of on the chopping block is maybe questionable or not at all but um now that we're at the end what are we thinking honestly like i don't want to give a command delta to this episode because i i really think there were some poor choices made here I mean, maybe you can give a command delta to to Una here for like, you know, hey, stand down, Ortegas, and coming in with the idea, hey, we've got to cut through this nebula and get this guy off the ship. Like she's standing up and trying to to take charge there a little bit in the face of Pike not being the take charge guy. So maybe you could give it to her, but I just... I don't want to give a command delta because 
Pike really disappointed me in this episode, like yeah. all around, right? Not just at dinner, not just not anticipating how his crew would feel, but then just like letting him bang off essentially. So I don't want to give a command delta to this episode. Um, as far as like science engineer, like we're not doing a lot of science, are we? I mean, there's medical science because we're we have our doctor who's doing his thing, so maybe you could go there. Like operationally, are we doing anything operationally in this episode? Really? Probably not. So. I, this might be like a zero delta episode from me. I mean, there's little pieces, but I don't think I don't think it's a delta episode for me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with the command thing. I, th- I think it's just too far off to really give anything there. The, the 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 operational side. I mean, you could talk about like the the transport. You know, keeping somebody's yep. pattern in the buffer. I, I think that that's fair enough. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, the medical science part of it, while it does appear relatively primitive in this episode, I think you can stretch a point a bit. But yeah, it, it's kind of hard to delta this necessarily because it's more story driven than, than logic driven. So, yeah, I, I was t- totally on board with like the, the, the medical stuff, like even if it is like field medicine, I think that and the transporter those are the two things i was going to point out so um i'm yeah i'm i lean more towards no but i'm kind of like on the fence like with command just because of what we have you know una doing but it's not as it's nowhere near as prominent as what we're used to with this particular show so uh, that's where i'm at so let's let's talk about um numerical rating then let's move right into that so on a scale of one to ten one being a dumpster fire ten being absolutely amazing how do we rate this dang thing uh eric what are you thinking bud like i really enjoyed this episode um like it it is a very good piece of examining ptsd right and i think star trek has done that well for like a long time i mean the most prominent example that would come to mind would be like it's only a paper moon where nog is dealing with his ptsd of the dominion war but even in something like family picard has to deal and and then first con star trek first contact picard is having to deal with his ptsd of of being assimilated by the borg and i i think this episode like belongs right up there in a discussion with those episodes of of how how does someone deal with their PTSD and and how does it affect them and I also think it's a great um, critique of hey if you weren't in the war you don't know what it was like so yeah you can read about it and we can maybe tell you some things but you just can't understand it the way we do and there will always be the us versus the them's in that regard um and i really i really enjoyed that part of it um but like as we were talking through this episode like both of you said a lot of things that made me like think again like david you said like the very like poignant thing at at the end and you were like what if mbenga just says no like 
I did this and I'll, I'll, I will accept the judgment that comes to me. And I'm like, dang, that would have been a powerful ending. Like that would make me like upvote this episode, like way more if that was what they, what they did. And because they didn't do that, I'm like, maybe I should downvote it because he, you're right. Um, but I still, I still really enjoyed this episode. I think it was superior to a lot of the things that we've seen in this season so far. Um, and I think that I want to give this episode a 8.4. That's okay. downvoted a little bit from where I came in. Okay. okay. I, I enjoyed the heck out of this episode. Um, there have been some um, some challenges, I think, with this um, this season, and we, we've talked through that um, ad nauseum. Uh, but I think, like uh, like Eric pointed out so very well, you have the the critique of um, like experiencing the war versus. Um, the war was happening type of thing um and i thought it was even even like with the violence piece i know we we mentioned that um i think that that was handled well also like despite being in the era uh, not just with with trek but just media in general where we just go over the top um i thought it was appropriate and, and i can't remember who directed this thing but um i thought they did a really good job and even like um, advancing like the character development of like Mbenga and Chapel, and even to a certain extent Ortegas, right? I thought that was very well done, and being able to see more of like Klingon war stuff besides, you know, what little we were exposed to in season one of Discovery when this like was first re- introduced for the most part. Um, I thought that was very well done. Um, there were some some moments that um, were just kind of odd overall, but I don't I don't want to just repeat like what we, we just talked about. Um, like Eric, I really enjoyed the heck out of this episode, and um, it's not a perfect episode. Uh, it's definitely not a ten, um, not a nine for me either. Um, but I think this is an episode that you could come back to and still get some, like, um, despite being heavy war and, like, blowing stuff up and, you know, people getting injured, I think this does have, like, some rewatch value, in my opinion. Um, I think I'm going to stick with what I had coming into this and um, it's right around what Eric said it's an 8.5 I don't really know what else to say uh, with this episode um, I know David's going to wow us what he has to say because he always does but um, yeah 8.5 for me okay go ahead David use oh, your boy. fancy words oh yeah all those fancy words um, <clears throat> so I think one thing that I do want to point out is that while I do have critiques 
they're mainly character critiques, character flaws, right or wrong. The narrative, however, of the entire story was really, really good. You know, we've we've had you know Eric had mentioned the uh, the the Nog episode. There's also you know periodic flashes with O'Brien dealing with the Cardassian War, um, which I. I always liked a good O'Brien-centric episode as well. And then you, you even kind of like, you could pull a little bit from um, Blood Oath, which I actually looked up before this because I was thinking about it, where we had Jedzia go off with uh, Kang, Koloth, and uh, Kor, you know, to do their sort of revenge mission and everything. And I, I think, um, you know, one of the things that's, that's interesting is, is the, the Klingon code. You know, and how warped that can be. Whereas in like Blood Oath, we're all like cheering for them to, you know, go kill this albino, you know, because he did all these terrible things, right? But at, in the same time, we're looking at this episode and we're like, no, Mbanga, no, don't kill this terrible murderer guy. It's like, you know, sometimes there's a bit of hypocrisy there in a way. And maybe it's just in how you display the, so- the story because this. This one feels a lot more real than Blood Oath did. Blood Oath kind of seemed more like a fairy tale in a way. Great episode, just more of a like fairy tale mode than this. You know, this is a guy who is, in my opinion, just broken. He was broken during this war. And unfortunately, we see that far too much in real life with people who constantly fight in conflicts around the world. I mean, we're, we're not even... I mean, how, how long did all this stuff with Afghanistan and Iraq last? And, it, you know, and now we have all of these other conflicts and it's all just constant conflict. And it seems like the, the fate of the fate of, you know, all man to just conflict for the rest of their their days. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I always loved about Star Trek is that you, sometimes you get the point where you break the cycle. And unfortunately for Mbanga, we weren't able to break the cycle. He did the thing that he didn't want. You know, he became the person he didn't want to become. He became no better than the people that he took out along the way. And it kind of it, it kind of sucks because I do like the character despite the whispering. Um, but the, the the story, in my opinion, is very poignant. Uh, if if there's anything that really just knocks it down for me, it just it's this continued weird stuff with Pike. We're we're just not quite there with Pike, which it just stinks because I like I like the character. Um, so I I think I'm actually pretty well uh, in line with you guys for this this episode. You know, which is um, which is great to see. I, I really want to see this uh, show do well. So I I think. I think, uh, oh, well, Eric was a point under, but I, I think I'm also going to do an 8.5. Okay. So we have um, 8.4 from Eric and 8.5 from myself and David, uh, which puts us at an overall of 8.46, or we could just round it up to 8.5. But um, yeah, 8.4, 8.5 uh, for this week's episode from us. Not, not bad. I like seeing that on my Strange New Worlds ratings. Um, yeah, back back to back uh, decent ish weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sort of. For real, for real. Um, 
So well, yeah, you know what happens next. <laughs> I Chase see a little silhouette of a man. I gotta feel like Chase is excited for next week's episode. I am. I am. <laughs> I am. All right. Well, that's that's it for the show, um, guys. As always, thanks for uh, for the chit chat. And um, yeah, um, I guess that's it um, for all of you out there in Listenerland. You know, what do you think? Uh, did you like it? Um, did, were you digging it or not so much? We'd love to hear about it. Uh, let us know. Uh, learn more about us. Connect with us. That sort of thing. Um, get in contact with us at trtvpod at gmail.com. Of course, you can also send a voice-only transmission, 817-752-4757. There's a three-minute limit before we do some flippendo stuff with some space jujitsu. so um, be careful, I guess. Um, other than that, if you want to uh, mail us something, like some Delton parsley for us to put in our jambalaya, that'd be great. Make sure it gets to the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in, and as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.